Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to the Edmonton Journal's Oilers podcast, the trifecta of wins edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell, and I'm the Journal's sports editor. It is Thursday, October 22nd, and I am back in the newsroom studio with the Journal's hockey writer, Jim Matheson. Hello, Jim. Hello, Sarah. And Journal sports columnist, John McKinnon. Wins, wins, wins. There you go. Three of them, just like that. A hat trick of wins. <laughs> hat trick of wins. <laughs> the Oilers are now seven games into their regular season, and I feel like Oilers fans have gone on a very interesting journey with the team. Jim, can you start by describing the arc of what has happened for the Oilers in these first few games? Well, they're consistently good and consistently bad. They lose their first four and win the next three. So however it breaks down, they're three and four, and they're actually in the wild card race, which, you know, they're not one of the three best teams, but at least they're in a wild card race. And it's been a long time since we saw the Oilers anywhere near that. And they are certainly better than the Calgary Flames down the road. And if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, that's uh, joy in in Mudville. They're one and five, and the Oilers are three and four. So... Pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. Pretty sweet. Uh, but there's still work ahead. I mean, it's uh, the orders aren't going to make the playoffs by being, by winning 40 and losing 40. They're not making the playoffs with 80 points. They got to get 95. So they got to keep winning, and that's been their problem. You know, John and I have talked many times. Their problem is they have trouble winning more than two in a row or three in a row. They can't win five or six in a row to get their head above water, and when you start with four straight losses, you have to win four just to get back to level 500, and then then they can go from there. So they're catching a break. Washington's coming in after playing the night before in Vancouver, so they're catching a scheduling break uh, against the Capitals, and they've had good success against the Capitals over the years. So, John, from your perspective, what's changed from Game 1 to Game 7 for the Oilers? Well, you know, I don't think a whole lot has changed. They had one bad game, really bad game, in Dallas. And, in fact, the score was kept relatively reasonable that night by the goalie. Um, the, the, to me, the, better to look at what, what is the common link among those games, which I think is, start number one is goaltending. They get, the, the goaltending they're getting is very good, and it gives them a chance to win. Um, they played their first, uh, what, f- five of the first six games on the road um, against teams that traditionally – defeat them big heavy teams and their record was what you would have predicted so I don't think the but their play was better actually the 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 actual content of the game for them was was better than what we have seen I think this is a better team they have better personnel um 
they have clearly a better approach to the defensive side of things. But as as Jim says, there's no question. This is a <laughs> this is a learning process, and we're only early in the school year. Yes, I think you had warned me, both of you, that the first few road games would not be pretty. So I, I was kind of expecting that. So so Connor McDavid, let's look at him. How's he done in his first seven games? I thought he was surviving, trying to survive in the early going in the NHL, looking around saying, whoa, these guys are almost as fast as I am and much bigger, and trying to get through the games. And But the last three games, I think he's playing more like he did as a junior, where he thinks, I've got the puck and now take it away from me less deferential passing the puck to people just because they've been in the league you know five minutes longer than he has or five years longer than he has so that's that's changed as well Uh, I think most people certainly coaches felt that he would need a dozen 15 games in the league before he would start to look like the best player available in the draft last year it wouldn't just happen overnight and it's you know it's, it's proving out he's you know, the last three games, mind you, the last three games they played are against Calgary, Vancouver, and Detroit. A skating team in Detroit, a Calgary, a Calgary team, you know, it's not a big heavy team either, and Vancouver is kind of a middle-of-the-road team. Earlier he was playing against be- bigger people. So you have to take a look at the teams he's playing against as well. I think he's still going to have to learn how to navigate his way against the St. Louis Blues and the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks and teams like that that are bigger. But for now, uh, it's tough to knock a guy, 18-year-old who's leading the team in points. Uh, he's got four more points than Jack Eichel, and everybody was was uh, very upset in the early going because Eichel started very well with you know a couple of goals. But now Connor's got six points and Eichel's got two, so. Um, that matchup is is certainly in uh, McDavid's favor. What do you think about the the way that Todd McClellan has now positioned him in terms of the players who he's got on either side of him? How has that kind of changed from game one to game seven? Well, he's got more complementary players. Uh, you know, a couple of well, Pooley got bigger guy, bigger kind of more physical player, um, and a shooter. I mean, the, the um, McDavid is. Uh, finding his range, in my opinion, quite rapidly. <laughs> uh, you see something from him almost every night. Last night, you saw quite a bit. He's big and strong. He's he's not physically mature yet for his size. But a lot of times, junior players come in the league, and they, they have to kind of dial down what they might be capable of until they're actually not putting themselves at physical risk. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was that way. I mean, he got, of course injured and so did Taylor Hall um, more and more pronounced uh, Sam Gagne when he was in the league as an 18 year old kid he was nowhere near physical maturity and he couldn't go in the corners and muck around for the pile McDavid I think can do all of that stuff it's just a question of how uh, proficient he'll be um, all the time uh, it is a grind the NHL season but I mean his transition I think <laughs> as smooth as as any young player uh, transition ever has been he's just so so gifted yeah are he and Yakupov a good fit together in your opinion they, they seem so far they look pretty good I I think the line works well because uh Pouliot does the heavy lifting and he's the one who's along the boards getting the puck for the other two guys uh who are more offensively um gifted than Pouliot is so yeah so far it's working and I think 
I think for McDavid, I think there's a comfort level with him having the same line mates too. It's tough enough playing in the NHL if you get different people all the time. I think he'd like to see the same people on his line for some time. And for Yakupov, there's been tons of people in Edmonton screaming for years that it'd just give him a chance and play him with better people and he'd put up better numbers. And why was he playing on the third line with checkers and he should be playing in the top six? And now he's playing with McDavid and he's got five points the last three games and he's got six points too. So put up or shut up, I guess, you know, he's he's putting up and, and shutting up some of his critics and he looks good. Now, is it a tease? You know, it's only three games with McDavid. Hopefully it's not because he's going to, he ha- eventually he has to start looking like the first player picked in the 2012 draft and be a 25 goal, 60 to 70 point player, uh, not 34 points. And but for now, he's showing that he's got some offensive chops. And even when you sit in the press box and there's scouts from other teams, they're, they're pointing out that he looks more comfortable and more is happening when he's got the puck on his stick than certainly last year and the year before. And John, you wrote in your column, in your Thursday column, that about this journey of learning that the team is, is going on. What do you make of how their teacher, Todd McClellan, is uh, handling things on the bench? You know, it's interesting. Uh, some years ago, I read a piece in, uh, of all places, the Harvard Business Review. Uh, it was an interview with Joe Torrey, who at the time was a manager of the New York Yankees. And they're asking about his management style, you know, with his team. And he said that when the things are going well, this is when you lean on them and you work with them and you, you try to fine-tune details that maybe they're a little fuzzy on. Um, and when there are things are going badly, this, you, you back off a little bit because the, the players know when they're not doing well. And that's kind of what McClellan was enunciating last night. I mean, saying that you know, now's the time to get after them about the things they're doing sloppily, which is quite a lot actually still, um, which is not abnormal. Um, because uh, they got, you know, they're feeling good about themselves. They're winning games. They're, they are achieving some success. So there's, you know, some positive reinforcement. And so, you know, you, you, it's a teachable moment. You can say, okay, you know, it was a nice game last night, but look at this, guys. We almost got beat, you know, by three goals, and here's why. You know, right. pay attention. So I think he's very smart. Um, his level of detail is, like a lot of coaches, is, is very, very high. Uh, his standards are high. He demands the other day in practice, I think he was basically ripping people for being offside on a, on a flow drill or whatever, and... Uh, so I mean, when you when you have to impose you know that kind of thing in a practice, players start to learn it's not good enough just to kind of go through the motions. We've got to do it correctly. I mean, early returns is seven games uh, plus a training camp. Um, he's as advertised, if you ask me, a very good coach. Taylor Hall. We should talk about him because at first he was getting there was a lot of concern about how he was playing. I think in the first couple games, but then suddenly early this week, Jim, you and other sports writers tell me that he's at the top for shooting and he's actually starting to really turn. What's what's the turnaround there? How has that happened? I don't know. He's thirty five shots. That's five shots a game in seven games. So he's shooting the puck more. He still only scored two goals, but he seems to be a little more involved. Uh, when Taylor's playing well, he's playing really well. When he's having a bad game, it's quite a bad game. And I think that's what Taylor has to, you know, in his sixth year in the league, he has to smooth that out a bit so there's a little more consistency. But for the most part, he's played well now for the last four or five games, apart from the stinker in Dallas where he was sick and did not play well and the team didn't play well. Uh, Certainly the last four games, I think he's played quite well. So 
They need that. Uh, everybody talking about McDavid on his line with Yakupov, but Taylor Hall plays in another line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So uh, if anybody has to get going, it's probably Nugent Hopkins. He's you know, seven games. He's only got a couple of points, and McDavid's got six. He's got two, uh, and part of that is who I think Nugent Hopkins has to play against the other team's best lines most nights. But I'm sure Ryan, as an offensive player too, wants to get a little bit more going. Uh, as does uh, Taylor in terms of points. I think you know two goals for both players in seven games is probably not as much as they would like, and it would be a nice security blanket for the coach if he could get two lines going offensively, so that when one isn't having it such a good night, the other team could pick it up. So every team needs six good forwards, not just one line. And how has this de- defensive rotation been working? Because we've we've had extra defensemen, so different person sitting in the press box. How how is that shaking out in terms of who's playing during the games for the Oilers? Well, I mean that's largely a function so far of injury. I think early on, the first three games, they rotated Reinhardt, uh, Andrew Ference, and uh, Davidson because they they're all kind of playing the same position on the third pairing, you know, on defense. So they give them all a chance. Reinhardt's now been injured, and so Ferentz got a got a crack at it the other night. And uh, um, I mean, they, you know, they're they don't they've been exposed as you know absolutely horrible or anything like that. I think Reinhardt has shown well so far. A young player, kind of an interesting player. That when you first watch him, you think this game is going to be too fast for this guy. He's not he's not going to get there. He's going to be, but he seems to be able to position himself and uses is uh, uh, um, reach and his stick and to never really be, you know, compromised. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if he gets back in the lineup. But, um, I mean, I don't think that, that particular part of the defensive alignment has been a concern so far in any major way. And the penalty kill among the league leaders right now? How is that even possible? What's what's going on? Am they're, I reading? They're actually first in the league in penalty killing right now. <laughs> And that's a. I didn't. I, I couldn't bring great, myself to say it. I just didn't believe it. That's a it. great a boon for a coach. They always talk about special teams. They do in football as well. And it's, you know, if your special teams are good, uh, you usually win in the games. And you know, football. It's you know, how many times do we fumble compared to the recovering fumbles on the other other side, or how many penalties do we take and the other team takes more than so. If, if their penalty killing is is good, that offsets the fact that their power play is not so good. And you like to have one or the two going well. And the best teams are probably in the top 10 in both, penalty killing and power play. But for now, we'll cut the order some slack and have them first in the penalty killing and somewhat down the pack on the, on the power play. Although they did score a power play goal last night. They just don't look terribly dangerous on any power play, to be honest. Uh, you know, if they get a goal on the power play, it's almost like, how'd that go in? It's not <laughs> like they kept the pressure going for the full two minutes. The thing about uh, penalty kill and power play both is that you can gain two things from those units. One is confidence and one is momentum. Um, last night the, the Oilers had to kill off a penalty in the last minute, minute and a half. Had Detroit had their goalie pulls, it was a six on four. So, you know, and you, you gain confidence as a group when you're able to shut that down and, and, um, and in that case win the game. Um, but, yeah, the power play, when the power play is not going very well, you're giving the other team confidence when you, you go with the power play and they don't have to worry too much about you're going to score a goal because you can't even set up a chance, let alone score. So that that would be uh, an issue there. But I have to think on a young team that's learning all about still learning, you know, 
I mean, sometimes you wonder, this is, you know, nine years out of the playoffs. You, you wonder how many of these kids, more or less, you know, metaphorically, they're still in grade four or grade five. They're, they're held back and they're not yet moving on to the next grades. Um, but when, you're, when your penalty kill is performing in that fashion, that's something to grab onto and say, you know, we're, we're getting this. We're starting to figure it out. Preview the coming games for me. We've got uh, the Capitals, as you said, Friday night, Los Angeles Kings on Sunday, and uh, the Minnesota Wild, an away game on Tuesday. What are we going to – what do you think we're going to see from these games? I don't know if predictions I, is the right word, but are we going to – more easy – are they easy wins for them? I think the I think the Washington game will be – the Orders haven't, haven't had a whole lot of trouble with Washington over the years compared to some Eastern teams. And Washington's playing the night before. The Orders should win the game on Friday. They've had trouble against the LA Kings for several years now, but the Kings are not playing very well. The game that they'll have trouble winning is the game in Minnesota. They don't play, they don't rarely win in Minnesota, and Minnesota's got a pretty good team, so that'll be the one game where I'm thinking that. Well, what is it about Minnesota that makes them tough to beat? Um, well, they play a defensive game. They usually score first. The others are chasing the game. Mm. You know, it's they just the Minnesota players. They get a lot of them that have played the Oilers a lot of years and they know they can beat the Oilers so they beat the Oilers so um, that's always a tough and Minnesota is one of the better teams I think and in the west in the west as well and a home game against the Canadians next Thursday John what's uh something you're looking forward to at all well Canadians are undefeated huh. they've got by for the best goal differential in the league they've got the lowest goals against average in the league they're rolling and um, so know, not a cakewalk for the Oilers to play the Canadians. Well, that'll be a tough one. That'll be a tough one. We'll see. They probably won't see Price. They'll probably see Condon, who was the backup to Price. I'm just guessing that he'll play that game. Uh, that comes, Canadians play, a, a, you know, they go Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton. I think it's can't how, how, how they're, but I imagine they'll play their second goalie in that game, just a guess. Could be wrong. As Washington will be doing also on Friday, they're not playing Braden Holby. They're playing their backup goalie um, against the Oilers, and that's, good and bad it's a slam on the Oilers because they figure yeah, we are we'll, we'll play our backup against you um, but good for the Oilers because they're not seeing one of the better goalies in the league okay well we'll uh, I look forward to talking to you guys about those games next week thank you Jim and John for joining me and thanks to videographer Greg Southam who's filming the podcast for us so that you as always can enjoy some video clips from our conversation online you can listen to previous episodes of the Journal's Oilers podcast on edmontonjournal.com there's also a host of other podcasts you can check out the Press Gallery the Pods of the Politics podcast and Dirt City which is the Arts and Entertainment podcast you can also check out the Sports SoundCloud feed if you're looking for another way to find our podcast online just search EJ Sports Thank you so much for listening.